Hey, everybody. Um, thanks for joining us today on another episode of the CX Experience. We are in season two. So uh, we're really excited to keep going with this podcast. It's been great so far. Uh, my name is Frank Wassenberg. I'm the CCAS practice leader at CloudLinks. Uh, I'm Kevin Sheehan. I'm Frank's partner, uh, managing director of CloudLinks. And today we've got uh, a guest that we've we've actually worked with for quite a while in some other incarnations and have had great track record with in the past. We've got Karen Bowman, uh, the VP of Global Channels at UJet on the line with us today. Thank you for joining us, Karen. Hey, thanks for having me. It's uh, been a long time coming and I'm just excited to have the opportunity to see your smiling faces. Thanks. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that goes more towards Kevin than mine. So I will, I'm going to do all the talking here, but uh, hey, so we have been trying to get you on now for I don't know. I guess a year we've tried to get you onto the show. Since the pandemic started, we were trying to book you. Yeah. Well, you know, the pandemic's changed a lot of things for folks. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Hadn't you noticed? Yeah, so happy to be here. Appreciate the opportunity. Um, so we've got you now at a new organization that you've joined, a company called UJet. And I'm super excited to be talking to you at UJet because it, it seems like you guys have taken on a different angle on the contact center experience for people. Um, it seems like you've taken a different angle on the technology approach, how the architecture is going to work, and even just what the audience is going to get out of this contact center service. So I'm really excited for that. So um, just a couple of quick things really, really first is, um, so you made the shift from your prior organization to here, and I'm sure it has a lot to do with the technology, has a lot to do with some of the items we'll get into, but maybe just give us a little idea on why you made the shift. Yeah, so as you know, you know, I was with a pretty successful organization. We were having a lot of success in the channel, you know, built that from scratch. And I, I got a call from a, a former uh, person I had worked with in the industry for many years, Vasily Triant. And, you know, he was super pumped about UJet technology. And, you know, he's a great sales guy, so I'm, I'm going <laughs> to listen. But, uh, you know, also just, you know, did some homework, right? Um, it was really interesting. They were approaching it really from a different angle, uh, as you mentioned, and that was really from the consumer perspective and how we all want to interact as a consumer. And Anod Jenna Falker, our CEO, came from that space and more from the mobile device space. So uh, he had the opportunity to kind of reimagine what that would look like. And when you think about, you know, when Cloud Contact Center was born, it was really, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you know, people basically took a bunch of prim servers and they put them in the cloud and offered it as a service. And, you know, and there was nothing wrong with that. That was a great opportunity. You could have people work from home, um, but it really wasn't taking advantage of the type of technology we have today. So as we've migrated over the years, you know, what are some of the top technologies we have now that we didn't have then? Well, one of them is public cloud, like very sure. robust public cloud and our mobile devices that we want to live on. So, and, you know, Karen, as a complete sort of outsider, agnostic observer of everything going on in the CCAS space, when I looked at your platform, the first thing that jumped out to me, and this might be incredibly obvious to an insider, but like, as opposed to being a legacy call center solutions provider who's trying to integrate into this new 21st century world where everyone is predominantly on a mobile device, you architected it from the, the, the other perspective, meaning that let's build it for a mobile device because that's what people are really, exactly. everyone's trying to sort of shoehorn it into the, the new world as it is now, 
where the idea was let's build it from the ground up and make it really for that mobile experience. Yeah, I know you, you hit the nail on the head there, Kevin, and, and that's really a huge differentiator. You know, we, we embed ourselves in the mobile app. So you can do everything in the mobile app from facial validation, same as you do for any other app, right, that's on your mobile phone. So instead of having to go back through your mother's maiden name, your PIN number you can never remember, you know, the first dog you had, the first car, and then you get connected, right? And then, you know, that agent doesn't have the full breadth of what you've even just done in their app. So you, oftentimes you have to repeat that, repeat that validation. Where on the agent end, they're able to seamlessly validate you. They have all your information because we're embedded in the CRM and everything we do gets written directly into the CRM. So there's that one true record of truth. So, you know, and it's all happening in real time. So the agent's more efficient and the consumer's just having a better experience. If you if you want support and you're in an app on your phone and you say, I want support, and it clicks and connects you to an agent. And all they have to do is just say, look at your phone, you facial validate, you know, that's that's powerful for brands that are trying to create a better consumer experience. Sure. So when you're in the app, let's just make sure, I wanna make sure I understand it clearly so everyone's listening to it. So if I'm a regular customer sitting in my house and looking to get help with my, my dishwasher or whatever the case may be, I don't have to download the UJet app. I'm using Home Depot's app or whatever the case is app. And, and you're embedding yourself right into their native platform Exactly. Without any issues. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And that is a powerful thing that no one else is really doing at that level. Usually you're getting kicked into some other like call this number. Well, now that's maybe going to a completely different system. Now those mm -hmm. two systems have to talk and now you have to again update all your validation information or even things. Let's say, you know, you're looking at your device and they're like, send me a picture. You can send a picture right in the app, goes right to the agent, gets written right into the CRM right then and there. And the agent can real time see what you're doing, a video, picture, whatever it is. Or text. That's what I loved. That's what I loved. I loved that I was I was taking the demo. I've taken the demo now, I think four times I've taken the demo. And each time I'm up there and, and the gentleman who's doing it is showing me the app and he's seamlessly going into take a video conference, let's let's get in there what you're seeing, upload a photo to it, and then when he transfers it, all that information is there. It's just so it was just so easy, I thought that you know, it's almost like a every I'm I'm you know, Kevin and I are actually both going through some home renovations right now. And I, the amount of times I've had to get somebody on the phone and say, this is the part that's broken. And it takes me 40 minutes just to get through this where you guys were like, no, this the, click the video icon and you're going to show it right then and there. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it is. It's pretty exciting. I know the first time I thought, saw it, I kind of was, you know, blown away too. And I uh, basically asked like uh, some other folks that were on the demo that I was on, you know, has anybody seen this before? Is anybody else doing this? And and the answer was no. And UJet has some patents around that. And that's, that's part of it. So we're definitely ahead of the pack there. And that's the sizzle, right? You know, that's the sexy fun part of it. But, you know, beyond that, what we've done from an architecture perspective is incredible as well. You know, true micro microservices, you know, Kevin, for the folks that want to geek out, you know, we, we've been doing these trainings where we talk about Kubernetes architecture, and it's kind of a new word, so people get excited to learn a new wor word, right? But it really mm -hmm. is allowing us to seamlessly scale. I mean, we've had one of our top customers scale up to over 25,000 seats seamlessly during the, you know, big hit of the first wave of COVID. So being able to do that without adding, you know, any kind of hardware and data centers, nothing, just truly taking advantage of that modern architecture. I see Kevin looking it up right now. No, I was, I was, you know what? 
I in love truth, it. She called you right out. In truth, Karen. Thing, right? I call Kevin out. Frank, just uh, calm down. I'm sorry. Um, I just like a guest that can call you out. I like it. In truth, I actually love all of Kubernetes' work except for Eyes Wide Shut. You kind of lost me on that one. <laughs> I got you, baby. Yeah, we've been having a lot of fun with that in some of our trainings. Um, you know, a lot of the community is really responding to it's. It's not the what as the why, why is it different? What it, what are you doing? Because, you know, when you look at every CCAS player, they all kind of sound the same. Oh, we're doing, you know, multi-channel, we're doing mobile, we're doing social, we're doing, you know, all these great things from an agent perspective, we scale, you know, but, you know, what really are the differences? So we've spent some time, you know, kind of digging into that, like, why is it different, right? And, and that's one of them, really being able to scale on true microservices architecture. And that's not just on, you know, AWS, but being able to also make that extensible through GCP or Azure. So, you know, we have some customers that don't want to work with certain providers for various reasons. So, you know, we have that choice too. Mm -hmm. Same with the data. You can put the data, you know, ideally, you know, best case scenario goes into one location, one system of record, the CRM. And that makes it very easy for the agent to function. All your information is there. And you're compliant with just about everything, right? HIPAA, GDPR, PCI, all of those things because we're not housing any data on the UJET platform. And while that's not as sizzly as facial recognition on in an app, um, it is truly important to our customers. Sure. Now, do you, uh, when you look at the customers you're talking to, I mean, are you seeing there's different engagement methods? I, it's always tough because you look at the different engagement models, right? And you say, hey, a certain generation wants to talk this way, another generation wants to talk this way, and it gets kind of like you're trying to pit, you're trying to fit the square peg into the round hole for everybody. But do you see a different type of engagement model that you're driving towards with that kind of an approach? Yeah, definitely. You know, if you try to predict which generation is, you know, doing what these days, I think there's a lot more blending. And I think, to be honest, like COVID's driving a lot of that too, because a lot more people are having to do a lot more things remotely or online than ever before. So I think you're seeing a lot of that blend. But at the end of the day, how do we all interact and talk to on a daily basis with our friends and family and most of even our, our jobs, right? I mean, I use my mobile phone all day. I'm probably logging at least six, seven hours on my phone. And that's between, you know, phone calls, conference calls, and, you know, at the same time I'm on a call, maybe I'm texting a cool saying I got to, you know, a friend or a family member or a colleague or silly things to you, Frank, right? And um, those are the types of things that happen. <laughs> and, and you want that same interaction with a brand, right? I mean, there's certain brands I'll pay more for just because they have a frictionless experience. I don't want to go enter all my information on some other site, right? That brand makes it easy for me to do business. I can do it right off my phone, no matter where I am, what I'm doing. And it's that, you know, ubiquitous ability to interact that, you know, will drive brand loyalty. And it also drives a lot of efficiencies because, you know, on the other end, they're not having to, you know, stitch together different systems, data from different places. The agent isn't having to re-enter information into a, a support ticket. It's all going directly into their CRM. And do you that think that the, the most successful companies out there are really tackling that really well now? I mean, everyone kind of is out there saying, we want to be able to, the old saying, we always want to talk to people where they want to be spoken to. It's kind of universally adopted by everybody, but it's always like, 
now they have to sift between which omni-channel engine is better for for them than than a competitor's omni-channel. It, it's almost like they're all trying to do it well, but there's still struggles in getting that to work really tightly. Yeah, I, I think the advantage UJet has is, you know, we just started there, right? I, I think they'll get there, and, you know, and I'm not saying they don't have good offerings as well. I think there's a lot of good stuff out there. I just feel like UJet started with the consumer experience in mind and kind of re-engineered back into how would all of this work. And being able to reimagine things from a fresh perspective has also led to some pretty cool stuff in our, you know, the way our admin portal works, the way you configure UJet. There's no Visio diagrams. There's no complicated things. Basically, if you can, you know, change settings on your phone, you could configure an IVR on the UJet platform. So very light lift to implementing customers and ongoing being able to make changes. You can make changes real time. Um, you know, things like uh, special uh, menus. So let's say, you know, Kevin's a special customer. He buys a lot of stuff from a certain site. Uh, they can have a special menu that gets presented to him because he is a VIP customer. So then he's getting a unique experience to Kevin right. that's back. And, and I think those are the things, you know, brands that want to differentiate themselves. And certainly as we continue through COVID that need to really reach their consumers from a mobile perspective, they, they really need to be looking at something that has a, a powerful uh, capabilities in that mobile space. You know, I, I think there's also uh you're right, Karen. And we, we have so many partners who, who do this in some regard. There are a lot of great platforms out there. There are a lot of different types of call centers out there. And there's certainly a lot of different types of customers out there. Um, what UJet seems to me to be is geared towards almost a specific type of customer experience really built for somebody who's like, if you look at the at the companies who use UJet, you can see some similar DNA between them, which is they're very mobile centric uh, companies with offerings. And if you're a company who do all of your transactional business over a mobile phone and all of your customer engagements over a mobile phone, the traditional approach to how uh, the contact center as a service is going to uh, integrate, it, you need to have something more than click the phone number to dial that phone number. I would think looking through these customers, none of them would ever really want to be able to, or want to speak with somebody as opposed to having an immediate answer or an immediate resolution to whatever the interaction is via your mobile phone. Yeah, Again, yeah. You're exactly right, Kevin. And, and it's not just mobile phone, it's in-app if you're on the web or yeah. on a PC as well. It's the same, similar experience. But, you know, you, you really, like, if you could solve everything without talking to human being, you probably would, right? You really don't want to, you know, you're Depend, getting- Yeah, dependent on the, the, the service, dependent upon what it was. Exactly. You know? But when you get to that human being, the difference is you don't want to start your entire experience over from the beginning when you do get connected to an agent, right? Right. So you want them to have all that information seamlessly there right when they connect with you. They can see everything you've done. You can even have been texting with them while you were in the IBR potentially or sending them those pictures. Once you 
agent now, you're not having to go back through all the information about you. You're not having to revalidate. If you do, it's a light validation of a facial, facial or finger validation. Mm -hmm. That's in-app or mobile. Um, you know, if I'm if I'm arranging, uh, uh, so WAG is one of your your customers. Um, if I'm arranging for uh, a dog walk, and I can do that via my mobile phone, <laughs> yes. If it's something, <laughs> if it's something around, you know, uh, wiring an enormous amount of money or or my mother's health care, I probably want to talk to somebody. You know, so but like each have it has its own merits. And I don't see the first category really uh, having been handled well from the ground up insofar as design yet. I think there's still a lot of people just trying to put a square peg in a round hole to accommodate a mobile interaction or a, or a portal interaction. Yeah, and, and I would also just argue that um, I do all my banking off my phone. So, and I and they use facial recognition. So for that app, you know, rarely I need to talk to someone unless, like you said, maybe it's a, a larger than authorized yeah. thing, and then I would talk to a person. But even you know, um, insurance, healthcare, you know, car insurance. If you had a roadside collision, you needed to send a picture right away. You would want all that to happen seamlessly, real time. So while you see a lot of those, uh, you know, more forward-thinking tech companies, sure they're the early adopters, but everyone is going to move in this direction. Yes. And then, and not just beyond that experience, but also, you know, being able to to scale quickly when you need to scale. I think another thing that's you know hit everybody is you know we've had to scale on certain types of uh, services that we never had to do remote before. So I know like even my cable company struggles with it. You know, they had a big uptick in people wanting to increase their cable because people were now home more. So they yeah. needed, you know, so I, I called and they asked me, you know, what my phone number was. And then I had two different places where I have cable. So then I had to put in my zip code. Then I had to, then I got finally connected 20 minutes later through the IVR and they asked me all the same questions and more. Then it was a special pin printed on my bill that I had to go get. I love that one. It's a terrible experience, right? Now I got to go paw through my files that are, you know, behind six months and try and find one of my bills. And since I have two different bills, one, you know, that's that's whether you're a cable company, whatever kind of company you are, a bank, insurance company, whatever business you are, that's a bad experience, right? Yes. If you can improve that experience, that's huge. Kate's cable companies, we're, Frank and I are convinced that, that there is an evil cabal of all the cable companies who get together and actually try to make the worst customer experiences ever. Like there's no way that, anyone could be as bad as cable companies are um, without them trying to do so. You yeah. get the, the I think we Dr. Should go Claw first. from the from Inspector Gadget sitting there yeah, in the exactly. chair figuring There's out ways hole. to make it get bad. <laughs> well, let, let's get together after this call and go put our pursuit plan together and go fix those cable companies. We've been, we have been trying oh. <laughs> so hard. It's what made me go back to Fios. i got to be honest with you. It, it made me go back to Fios. I tried um, to switch and I went back. I was like, I'm done. I'm, I, I didn't have a phone number at my house for a week. I literally couldn't get my phone number moved from one service to the other provider for a week, and I just went back. I was yeah. done. Yeah. It, it's, and it's funny because I, I feel like there's genuine effort on the part of companies to get this right, right? And, and I think there's a little bit of experience. There's a little bit of um, 
you know, contact center managers don't do this often. They don't see the technology and there's a struggle to understand the nuances between say you guys and you know somebody else in the space that's 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 more well known and and they don't understand the technology and now they have to rely on sales guys to figure this out and even that kind of conversation you may have to have 30 conversations before you understand really where it is you're looking to take a company and and you guys present a different kind of way i think of you do what you do well you know ujet isn't doing QA for the masses. It's not going to do everything. It's going to stick in their lane and do what they do really, really tightly and really, really well. Is there, you know, do you guys see it? You've done that kind of on purpose or you're just looking at the roadmap and where you want to be positioned? Yeah, I mean, I think some of it was intentional to solve those problems and to really take advantage of, you know, modern era architecture and to reimagine the overall experience and how you architect it, how you configure it what the agent experiences, um, all of the types of, you know, compliance issues that are out there. So being able to start from the ground up and be in a modern era where, you know, when you step back and look at it, most people are interacting off of a smartphone these days. I, I, I think it's, it's like 80, over 80 percent of folks have smartphones out there. So, you know, if, if you could say, wave your magic wand, I want a contact center platform that's, you know, dynamically scalable, secure, um, you know, phenomenal uptime. I want to be able to seamlessly write real time into CRM so that all the data can be housed in one place. The agent can live there. I want to be multimodal in the way my agent interacts and my consumers are approaching us and be able to handle that and do things that are, you know, commonplace today, like facial recognition and, you know, really take out any of the resistance in that process of getting support or help or, or placing a sales call. Um, that's kind of what UJET did. They, they reimagined it from the ground up and, and it's something pretty cool and special. And I just uh, woke up this morning to a deployment that happened last night. It happened in EMEA. Um, it's a wearable fitness tracking device with, uh, you know, several hundred agents across the globe. And they talked about, you know, the challenges from a telephony perspective. They talked about all these challenges. And at the very end, they summed up even, you know, multi-languages. And they said, we cut over and it was an absolute non-event. And they said, <laughs> it should be, right? And it just worked. And that's like, you know, I, I was like, I love statements like that, you know, because it just worked. It it doesn't sound exciting, but that's tremendously exciting to cut over from one platform to another in a global situation and then have the customer themselves say it was a non-event. It just worked. Sure. So now, do you chalk that up to do you chalk that up to prior planning, preventing piss poor performance or do you chalk that up to the seamless integration capabilities or the, the light switch kind of model of the platform because a lot goes into a statement like that it's not just you know hey we we all the call flows all the things worked it was easy it, it there's so much planning that gets involved in that we're, we're, i mean it's maybe if you say 50 50 i'm just curious where you would say how much is planning how much is, is architecture yeah so some of it's planning and, and some of it's, you know, customers willingness to, you know, do their end of it. A lot of times that's where things get, you know, derailed is, you know, the customer um, side of it. But we have a really good team as far as, you know, project management, all of those things helping guide the customer. But at the end of the day, it's just a light lift. It's just easy to configure. So, you know, generally speaking, within, you know, two to four weeks time, we can be rolled out and up and running. Again, some of that depends on the customer and, you know, their timeline and complexities. But, 
it's really very simple and you almost have to see it to believe it. And one of the things we get questioned on is, well, that just looks too simple. How powerful is it? And when you walk through the demo, like you've, you've seen the demo, you know, you can see it's full functioning, IVR, ACV, you know, there's, there's nothing that's not powerful about the capabilities. We've just made it a lot easier to configure. Yeah. And where, where do you see, I mean, you've obviously got the role of global channels um, for the organization, right? And it's, it's, it's a role that encompasses a lot of different audiences. Um, where, where do you see the biggest challenge in, in, in for UJEC getting out to the channel space right now, getting out to the world? Yeah, it's really, you know, getting our name out there. You know, we're not a, a known name, but, you know, that's a challenge I've faced before with other companies, and you just got to get out there, right? Start educating folks, helping them understand UJEC and what we're bringing to the table. So, um, we probably in the last month and a half, we've for 40 demos for partners. And I will tell you, every single one of them gets excited and they want to lean in and they want to do more and they want to know more. And even some of them, to be quite honest, would tell me at the end of the demo, hey, I, I took this call because you asked me to. But now that I've seen it and I've seen how powerful it is and I've seen how unique it is, I, I want to know more, Karen, and I and I want to lean in and uh and partner with you. So it's, it's been pretty overwhelming. And I think that'll just continue as we get our name out there. So I think, you know, in a probably, you know, a few months time, maybe within, you know, the next three or four months, you'll be seeing UJET, you know, much sure. more uh, frequently in the channel. You know, Karen, to me, it seems like a lot of your clients may not have even had a contact center prior to working with you or they're, they're new to market companies or products that are building things from the ground up like what percentage uh, of your clients come to you with like hey this is a new concept for us and we're just trying to do it the right way because we're really more in that mobile space and how many were legacy call centers who've been trying to adapt to this new world or or maybe even moving off another ccast provider yeah, so so in my experience, I've been here since the beginning of September now, a lot of them have been moving off of other CCAS providers. So they understood the power of cloud, they dove in with both feed into cloud, and then it just didn't meet their requirements. So, you know, and that's that's been across the board probably from most of the top players you can out there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You, you look at where, I mean, we've seen a lot of it where the mistakes come in and the transfer of one cloud to the other. I mean, the biggest fear we get from people is just the journey. Like, yeah, searching for something stinks. Uh, I don't want to go through the whole process on RFP. I don't want to do that stuff. But just getting it up, building the call flows again, creating everything again. People just look at that as like this daunting task that's a million miles down the road. They do. They look at it and they're like, I, it, it, this is terrifying. I don't want to go through that because I got to keep my day job running. I got to keep the existing call center running. And now I got to build all this stuff again when you guys make the improvements and tell my bosses I did it in a time frame that's going to make sense for me. And I did it under budget. It's scary for people to make that migration. I mean, what, what mistakes are you seeing out there? Are you seeing, I, I know you had your past life at another organization where maybe a bigger organization, but now you've, you've been pretty focused in the last couple, last couple months of being here. Have you seen any big mistakes that people have made in deployments that you could correct or warn against? Yeah, I think to kind of the first point you had there, Frank, you know, people that have been working, running contact centers have often been doing it for a long time, right? 
So mm -hmm. they may have been on legacy technology for a long time and be that legacy prem or legacy cloud uh, solutions too. So when they think in terms of this is going to be a big lift for me and a lot to do and all this work, you know, they they don't, you know, they haven't seen or they don't understand the simplicity of doing it in the UJET uh, world. So that's where we have had pushback where customers say, hey, this just looks too easy. Can I really do all the things that I need to do? And once we show them that they can and how easy it is, like real time, let's say, you know, um, you had flooding or something, you had to put a notice about out. You could literally go in as simple as you would change your system um, attributes on your phone and and put you know a new menu item that would show up either in app on the um, web app or in app on the mobile app and real time and then it would go right into production and those are things if you've been in legacy contact center be it prem or legacy cloud contact center that would take quite a bit of effort to retool and add a new menu option but you know that's just one example it's so easy so I think one of the mistakes people make is you know and and I'm personally guilty of this like every day, right? I get in my comfort zone, it feels good, I've got a lot to do, and anything foreign to me is gonna be scary to attempt or, or try. Sure. So that's where sales consultants and folks like yourself come into play, right? You, you guys are really the folks that will help us um, be successful uh, going to market from a channel perspective because you guys are the ones who understand multiple platforms, um, you've seen what customers have done over and over, and and you're a voice that they're going to say, okay, you know, tried and true, listen to, and and that's really why we're leaning into channel, is you know that that intellectual capital that you guys bring to the table is huge for getting customers to to listen to our story as well. Is is the 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 pricing structure, Karen? Is it a la carte? Is it fairly all encompassing as far as the offering? Yes. Other tiers. <laughs> you can buy it in a bundle form, or you can buy it a la carte. So. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you could buy like if you just want to do chat through your you know mobile app, you can do that. You can start there, or you can do a full bundle with. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and and there's a laundry list of uh, partners who you integrate with uh, on your site, and you know all the major names there as far as whether it's cloud or, or CRM or what have you, is there anything that you've had an issue with integrating or is there is there any non-starters out there that? Um, yes, not non-starters, um, but we definitely are, um, you know, get a fair amount of folks that come to us with like custom CRMs or mm -hmm. maybe CRMs that aren't on that out-of-box list. So we do have APIs to integrate to those, but that's a good, insightful question and that does come up kevin and and we have the ability to do that it's just not one we list as being you know out of the box but we can integrate it's the one thing that we spend time working with our clients more than anything else more than anything else and and it seems as though it, there's almost this snowball of of need to integrate with more and more platforms it's gone well beyond salesforce you know it's workforce management, knowledge management, you know, every possible uh, outside cloud vendor that that keeps a company moving or working or making money needs to connect to uh, their contact center platform. So it, it's what takes up most of our time when we're, we're our, when we're building a, a solution for a client. 
Yeah, well, and there's a lot of times where they need that data for other tools, BI tools, things like that too. So, I mean, we can also drop that data into, you know, an S3 bucket or whatever type of, you know, storage that they want to put it in as well, where they can then access it into to other tools. So, right. Um, because you never know, every customer, you know, is is different. We try Completely to different. Them, but they're all different. <laughs> we we really we. Uh, we don't have one single client that would even come close to the next uh, similar client as far as integrations. Um, and what about just as far as seat counts, is there a minimum of agents that you would take on? Is there a ceiling, you know, uh, of, of agents that it becomes uh, ineffective? And these are just obvious questions, but a lot of times these are the first questions that come up when we sit with a client yeah. and they're asking about different partners. So I'm going to be a little cheeky. So theoretically, no, right? Theoretically, yeah. no minimum or maximum. And, you know, we could scale with our architecture. But realistically, you know, we kind of have put out there like a 20 seat minimum because you just start to get diminishing returns. But that doesn't mean if someone, you know, like an apartment or an up and coming company comes to us with 15 seats, we're not going to turn them down. Um, but you know, we we definitely, you know, see that more value comes probably from 50 seats and above, but we have other smaller customers and then scaling up from there into the multi thousands. And, you know, that's the thing, uh, you know, scaling up over 25,000 agents, you know, that is probably I mean, I think we had in one interview where Gartner was like, that's one of the larger or if not the largest single tenant for cloud that they know of. So a lot of the, you know, legacy CCAS players, you know, they hit certain thresholds and they're still basically server clusters, right? So yes. they, the, not that they can't address it or maybe they break up departments or they do certain things to put them in on their own domain, um, but it, but we don't have to do that yet. So they can have one domain scale as large as they want and, and we've had that domain schedule uh, scale over 25,000 seats, so um, seamlessly. And I don't know, you know, then they may need to do that again. And we're prepared for that. And like I said, there's nothing special we have to do. We don't have to go plug in extra stuff or cobble anything together. It's just seamless scalability on, and because of the modern architecture. Right, right. And you start looking into this right now, like phase two of COVID, where I, Kevin and I were just having a call with somebody in the UK. And it's, you're really in phase, you're starting phase two of COVID right now. And, you know, they're over there in the start of their second lockdown again, maybe till Christmas or beyond. And and people are, you know, getting a little tired of it, but it's still the reality that we're living in and customer experience is going to have to be more and more, I guess, calm and patient and, and flexible and available to people now because it doesn't look like we're going anywhere anytime soon, you know? Looks yeah. like we're going to be locked down here for another couple of months, even in the U.S., where the way this is going to continue. It just seems like this snowball effect is going to keep rolling and you need to be able to present some way of doing this easily for you. You need some way of your clients getting to you very similar. Are, are you guys making any plans or seeing anything out there in the kind of a phase two of COVID where it's coming in? Are you seeing anything or doing anything differently? Yeah, you know, from a company perspective, certainly trying to, you know, maintain employee safety and those types of things. It, it's a challenging situation for everyone. Um, you know, I, gosh, it, it just, it breaks my heart. Some of the impacts of COVID that have happened and are continuing to happen. And we were all just talking about a little pierogi place at the Pikes Market in Seattle, um, yesterday. And, uh, 
then it kind of dawned on us. We're not sure when we get out of COVID that that little pierogi place that's been there for decades is still even going to be there, right? Yeah. yeah. I think we're seeing a, a fundamental shift that probably hasn't been seen, you know, I don't know, maybe even since the Great Depression, not on the economic level, but on the ability for the way we did business in the past and the way we interacted even with, you know, restaurants, companies, each other, it is so phenomenally changed. And and I think that'll be, you know, I don't think that's something we're going to come out of anytime soon. I don't think it's going to be next year. I think it's going to take a long time. And then I also don't think that we're going to go back necessarily. So there's no. a lot of companies that just aren't going back. So I heard a company building a big campus in San Francisco just pulled out and they, they're willing to spend millions and millions of dollars um, to to basically get out of that contract to build that huge campus because they don't see a, a situation where their employees are going back home. So we're preparing for the long haul of, you know, we're going to see technologies that enable people to work from home, agents to work from home, and enable consumers um, and people to to engage remotely. I mean, my yeah. last, I think my last four doctor's appointments have all been remote. Mm-hmm. Really? And, still haven't done that yet. And, you know, in the in the commercial real estate market here in in New York City, um, where we're based, it's I don't it's not even a matter of when they could go back. So in that example of this big <laughs> campus in San Francisco, they will be able to go back. It's just that the companies are now saying, well, well, that doesn't mean we have to necessarily pay for it either. Um, and I, I think there's a growing consensus that many businesses have to fail in order to hearken in this new world that we're going to live in. Your example of the pierogi stand, you know, as tough as it is to think, yeah, maybe that pierogi stand does go out of business or it trans it translates or it pivots to selling their pierogies in a mobile delivery fashion or online somehow. So this whole cloud-enabled world is just getting a, a very painful push into the deep end of the pool, which I think just has to happen yeah. otherwise. I, I think it's our mission to go help companies do yeah. that. Right? Yep, you know, definitely. As, as understanding the technology as we do and, you know, as much outreach as we can give. And, you know, um, we, we just need to do everything to help everybody be successful. So uh, somebody brought up to me the other day about, you know, a, a competitor being down. I said, look, in this era of cloud, we need, we need everybody to be successful, right? Because we need cloud to work for everyone. And there's a lot of people out there, you know, yeah. like that pierogi stand, like how, how can we help those folks? You know, maybe there's other ways or, or shared services or things that they can tap into. Um, but again, you know, um, it, it's really incumbent upon the folks that know this technology the best, like yourselves and others and and all of us to go out and, and help these companies pivot. I agree. Agreed. 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 Hey, it's, so, a great, so, it's a great way of looking at it. It is. And, and you know, listen, and I think Kevin said it on another podcast we did, you know, our main job is to enable agents to carry on that company's mission statement. Right. If we do our job well, that agent can carry on the company's mission statement perfectly. Right. And I think that that kind of is where we, we where our heads are at with this whole thing, because it works at the pierogi stand and it works at Home Depot. You know, it, it really does. Um, hey, so we've had you on now for about, I don't know, 40 minutes or so. You've been great. Is there anything that you, that we didn't talk about that you should hear about or that, that would be valuable to kind of cover? 
Yeah, so I, you know, would say the main thing is, you know, get out there and talk to your clients about, you know, CCAS and what it can do for them and, you know, find out, you know, what's important to them from their business and what they're trying to accomplish and maybe look around at other folks that are getting it right and, you know, help them bring that technology in-house and, and help them create those better customer experiences. And at the end of the day, you know, that's going to be their competitive edge and how they survive in this as well, right? Mm -hmm. Because there are folks doing it, you know, and um, I'm sure you saw on our website, one of our top customers, Instacart, right? You know, mm -hmm. they've done very well. Um, there's other folks out there. There was a, there's an online kind of furniture home goods company. And they were like really struggling pre-COVID. Um, Post-COVID, now they're flourishing and bursting because, you know, people are at home. So when you're at home, you think, oh, I don't like my couch so much anymore. But, you know, the furniture store is kind of closed or I can't get in there because of COVID or there's a line. I can't even sit on the furniture and try it there. Yeah. Like, so, so all of a sudden you go online and, you know, you're ordering furniture online. And that's really like turned that company around, you know, phenomenally sure. being able to to pivot and and sell online. So, um, you know, looking at your customer base, looking at brands you interact with and say, hey, how how could they fare better in this world? And they need you, right? They they need partners to come in and really help them navigate this. And, you know, there's, you know, there's just so many options and there's so many different ways to solve their problem. But it gets down to your point, Kevin, you know, what is unique about what they're trying to solve and then how do I help them bring in, you know, the right folks. So, you know, if they need global, they need dynamic scalability, they need tight integration and not just tight integration, but real time information going into their CRM. They've got a web app, they've got a mobile app, or they should have those apps, help them understand how much better they would be if they had a mobile app or if they had a web app that their, their um, customers could interact that, with. Yeah, I, I think that absolutely. Absolutely, and I think there's an enormous market for that, uh, at least from the from the clients that we're we're talking to. Right. You guys, you guys are I mean, like the gladiators out there. You get you got to take it and go wrestle it to the ground and win it for your customers. I, I, so I'll tell you right now, I've used Instacart through this pandemic like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> it's been the greatest thing in the world. I mean, they go to Costco for me, and they come back and they're like. They don't have the bacon you like, Frank. And I'm like, well, don't get the maple one. Get this one. The guy's like, okay, I got to come in. It's, it's, it's a great, great service. I, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a testimony. I'll, I'll stand up and be on a commercial for those guys any day of the week. They deserve it. They've done great during this pandemic. Sure. Um, so, but, uh, customer of ours, one of our largest customers from a scaling perspective, too. They've done great. I, I, I got to tell you, that, you know, what, what a timely, timely service. It was really, really done well. Um, but, hey, Karen, listen, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I, I hope to get you back on in a couple months and have another conversation about what you've done with the place since you've been on board. I'd like to kind of kind of hear more about it, what you're doing, where it's going to be, and, sure. and how, how close you are to the, the dream coming true there. Um, but thank you very much. Kevin, you want to close it out? Is there anything you can think of? No, it's great to see you again, Karen. I, I hope to see you again live at one of the events very, very soon. Yeah, likewise. Really soon. Well, thanks so much, guys. I really appreciate it. And, I, you know, I could hang out with you all day, so. Yeah. <laughs> They'll hopefully maybe maybe in 2020 we see see in Vegas. Oh, that sounds great. good. <laughs> Looking right, forward. Well, thank to you, it. Karen. I appreciate it. Thanks yeah. for joining us. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining. It's another episode of the CX Experience.